This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Judas and the Black Messiah. My fist is in the air. Scorpion bricks, wavy four Orbeez double disc, 40 on my lap, clap, sound like 40 did the mix, filtered bass, sip coat, like a missing star chef. We are chef. now recording. This is Out Now with, with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some movies via... via we cover, yeah, we dig into mm-hmm. movies via most of spoiler for your view, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 439, 439. 439? Are you out of your mind? Sure. <laughs> it's the price that you would pay for a new Big Mac. Big uh-huh. Mac Index. Yeah. 3D catalyst. <laughs> That's where it would be. <laughs> uh, and for this episode, we're talking Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, yeah. The uh, biopic covering the life of Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers. And uh, joining us to discuss Judas and the Black Messiah, we have from the Noir Artur, trying to fit a beret and all that hair of his. It's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> that's, that's really funny, actually, because I can't wear hats anymore. Um, <laughs> legitimately cannot wear a hat. Oh, no. <laughs> also joining us from Movies Marcus, bringing breakfast to all the children. It's Marcus Robinson. Yeah, I'm back. You are. You're yes. back. You're back. Yes. You're black. You're ready to go. <laughs> we're yes, yes. How are how are we all doing today? <laughs> uh, Don't you know. all at once. <laughs> I've no. been better. I'm I was uh, taking a breath there too. <laughs> cool. You know we're hanging. 2021 is supposed to be better, but I'm still waiting. It, it's still early. We can I, make, yeah. we're, guys, we're going to make it better because we're going to have an awesome show today. We're going to talk all about Judas and the Black there Messiah. We we're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff here because that's what we do on this show. We have a lot of good times. Speaking of which, let's get to some show notes real quick. First up, new commentary track. <laughs> Speaking of fun times, we talked all about the Silence of the Lambs for this month's commentary track. The second part of our Hannibal Lecter series that we're going to be doing for the next few months. Um, and this was uh, this was a good one. Uh, Abe, you even were able to chime in for a little bit on this one, which made me very happy. <laughs> for a little bit, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was a very interesting uh, section. But yeah, I, I heard that it was great that you guys had a, a lot of uh, coverage on um, some really uh, important things about that movie. Yeah, friends of the including show. Including cinematographer Jack Fujimoto. Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah, and, uh, Scott, a friend, friend of the show, Scott Mendelson, Yancey Burns, and Brandon Peters were all on hand to talk all about that film with me. It was uh, good times were had. We had we got a, got a lot covered. Um, looking forward to talking about Hannibal next because uh, that's a wacky movie. Uh, but yeah, that's up on iTunes now where you can find all of our episodes. Speaking of which, iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can do that and you'll find our show and you can give us a rating and review. You know, I haven't seen a rating and review in a while. Please, please give one. I'd yeah. love, even if you just texted it to me secretly, that'd be fine. Or if you logged it officially online, that'd be great too. <laughs> that would help us out in the old. Yeah, that'd be great shows. too. But you know, you know I, I need an ego boost here. Guys. You could do both, is what I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Wait. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. That's. Uh, I think that's it for show notes for now. Um. Let's. Uh. Let's move into things here, guys. Let's get to some out now quickies. Yeah. Each now we move the quickies. Great, Mark. That is fun to do. I've said that every week now, but it's just fun to get back into the groove of that. We're back into it, yeah. Back, in, back into it, that's what I say. Um, Marcus, let's start with you. What have you seen recently? So I saw Nate Parker's movie, American Skin. Oh, yeah. That was a movie. That yeah, came out. it was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw it like actually like a few hours ago, so 
Um, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, but um, it, it's not great. It's not bad. It's like somewhere in between. What's the general um, a, premise of it's this? It's about it's about a, a um a guy and his son. They get pulled over by uh, police officers, and the son is shot um, when he pulls out his phone. And then um, the officers are acquitted, and the father goes out and seeks revenge by um, holding all uh, every uh, all of everybody involved, uh, uh, the police officers involved at the police station. He, he holds them all hostage with a group of people, and he has this mock trial. Um, so it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so it touches. <laughs> so what it what it does well first for what it does well is it touches on a lot of uh, a lot of things that we everybody's been talking about. Um, if you it, it, the 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 arguments that you've probably all been having on social media with your friends or whatever, uh, pro cop, anti cop. Um, uh basically all that stuff that we've been kind of heard a lot so if you if you feel like you've heard it to death then this is not really a movie for you it's not going to bring anything up that's new um i feel that where this falls apart is nate doesn't seem to have like an editor on this so he just goes and goes and goes and then he wraps it up in a hmm in almost like this lecture format where it's just a bunch of arguing, people arguing back and forth. Anyway, I, I saw Queen and Slim and Queen and Slim did everything that this movie didn't do, but it, it, it did it in a format that was not just a big giant lecture. It was a, more of a narrative. This one, it just stops the narrative just to have this big lecture, which is it's, it's fine. It just doesn't work, I think, thematically. Well, thanks for your hot take on the movie you just saw. There American, the American yeah. Skin, that's the title? American Skin, yeah. Is that on VOD? Is that where that mm-hmm. is? Yeah. yeah. What channel yeah. is that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paramount oh, Plus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they got a lot of Super Bowl attention. All right. Mark, is there anything else? Um, uh, no, that's it. All right. Terrence, All right. let's go to you. What have you seen recently? Um... What have I seen recently? I saw Malcolm and Marie, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe the longest hour and 40-something minute movie <laughs> I've ever watched. This is what I've Legitimately paused the movie and saw that I had only made it 45 minutes in and I started screaming. Um <laughs> It's a good thing that you and I live, you know, alone. Otherwise, you know, our partners or you know, oh, I don't spouses. live alone. So like my oh. roommate, he might just be used to me yelling by now. But like he didn't come in and check. No, I was at one point he came down and he was like, "So how's the movie?" I was like, "It's bad." Um, <laughs> it's uh, have you guys done a a review for it? Or no, not? we have not. No, well, um, it came out last week. We talked about Sundance instead. But if I were to say yeah. something, it'd be like, "Oh, they made it." It was feature length. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it, my biggest problem with it is it felt like Sam Levinson using Zendaya and Jonathan David Washington as a shield so he could talk about what he wanted to talk about. Um, like 
those characters being black, them talking about black stuff in the movie, he just, that's all a cover, hmm. you know. Um, he really just wanted to rail at critics and show how smart he was and how awful he must have been to his ex-girlfriend. Um, so that was a delightful experience. Uh, and then I watched Outside the Wire. Oh. <laughs> Because I, t- I text Aaron and I was like, I need a really stupid movie to watch. <laughs> um, this is Anthony was... Mackie as a as a Terminator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a new uh-huh. Terminator? I, you it, know what? This is probably as close as we get to the, 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 the answer we've been looking for to what a neutral Terminator yeah. is. This is probably as close as it gets. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. And it was very dumb. In a fun way. <laughs> Which is what I wanted. Yes. Like I didn't like I, I wanted to turn my brain off for two hours and I got to. So that was nice. I think I watched that the same day as Malcolm and Marie because I was like, I can't. I just need to, <laughs> I have to get this bad taste out of my mouth. Well, I just need like. I don't mind a movie being dumb, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like at all. I don't. I truly don't. And but I do mind a movie that thinks of itself as important when it's not. Yeah. So I definitely. I mean, yeah. like Aaron and I love dumb movies. BFP is a great dumb movie. I mean, it's a great movie. You can put dumb. It, it is a great movie. Is it yeah. dumb? Maybe some people like it that way, but it's it's fun and it's not as uh, it doesn't think of itself as like the best futurist post-apocalyptic futuristic movie ever. But outside the wire, <laughs> it satisfied it's, your, it's your incredible. What you're looking for. There you know. go. Yeah, it's there are some thoughts and ideas in it, but not many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wow could you count them on your hand one hand probably yes <laughs> it feels are the like... good guys good and the bad guys bad yeah pretty much it, okay it it feels like they because it's a netflix film and it's the kind where like well they went to more than one location so that's a nice change of pace at the same <laughs> time <laughs> at the same time you know mackie plays like a cyborg and you get an extended sequence that shows his like translucent cyborg skin, huh? and that that comes like within like half an hour. So it felt like the movie like used all the money for that scene because after that it's like now we're just in another like bland warscape area, and they filmed in what like Romania. So it's like all right, uh, and then even like the finale feels very muted by comparison. Where it's like the movie began with. What if Anthony Mackie was this wonderfully rendered translucent robot thing, and then it ends in like. A, a giant like CG room. It's like okay. Yeah, it felt it felt very much like. So we have Chris Hemsworth doing the extraction, and we're giving that a sequel. So now we need something for the Negroes. They're making a sequel. <laughs> of course they are. Yes. Yes. They're gonna make a sequel to Outside the Wire too. They kind of already announced it. I think. Extraction's I mean, Anthony like, Mackie getting those checks. That's great. Extraction's like what? One of like the biggest Netflix movies ever, or whatever. Like it had that yeah. stat. Yeah. <laughs> Of course they yeah, are. He jumps off of a cliff. Yeah, he's going to jump off a cliff again. But Marcus, in the beginning of the movie, he did it before, and he just sat at the bottom of the lake. You're going to well, see what's I, at that lake. I liked Ava, so I wonder what the hell do I know. <laughs> that, was, that was another dumb movie. Um, I liked it. I mean, don't get me started. Top 10 on Marcus's list. Boy, boy. It was on my top 10 Listen to, listen to our top 10 episode to hear more about Ava. <laughs> he's oh, not kidding. Gee. I'm not I can't I can't go with you there. But I did I was entertained by Ava. There you go. <laughs> and Abe, sometimes that's all that matters. Abe, what have you what have you seen? 
Uh, I saw an old movie that everybody here has probably seen of Stand By Me, um, because I purchased that recently because it's on sale over at Voodoo. Um, still holds up. And what's great about it is that it's it's a tight one hour and 30 minutes, including credits. Um, and then I listened to the score by, uh, I want to say John Nitschke, could be Dan Nitschke, because um, he, he re-renders uh, Stand By Me, the song. And I was like, this is really good. And then I just marveled at Jack River is, Phoenix's performance. Jack Nietzsche. Jack Nietzsche. Yeah, Nitschke, Nietzsche. Um, but River Phoenix's performance in that movie is just like, damn, man, like this kid had a lot there so bummed about that um, and then i started watching the show called warrior on hbo max which is oh. i guess a cinemax uh, uh original yeah oh yeah Br- the bruce uh bruce lee's uh based on, yeah based off like the writings of bruce lee or something like it's okay like i i've only seen one episode but i'll continue watching it just to see if it rounds itself out but um you know it's got it's got some Peaky Blinders vibes, but just for like Chinatown in San Francisco in the 1860s, like it shows the mixture of the cops and like the good cops and bad cops, and then like you know the the Chinese gangs and um, whatever else. Uh, but I, I don't know, the writing just isn't my jam. But we'll see. Well, you watch one episode, the pilots are never like exactly. the strongest. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'm gonna, I'm willing to give it two more episodes. You ready? I've seen a couple things I want to make note of. First is the, the best thing that I've recently seen beyond what we're going to talk about. Uh, space Sweepers. Uh, oh. Rocks. Uh, it is a Korean space opera. It's their answer to Guardians of the Galaxy minus the jams or like the closest. It's what like a like a, like a live action Cowboy Bebop would be, except it's Korean and it doesn't have jazz. Regardless, it's just super fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it is about a team of spa- of like space junk collectors. I shouldn't have to say it's in the future, but it's in the future. Uh, they happen upon a very prized object that's in the form of a little girl who might be a weapon of mass destruction, and Ooh. they basically have to like try to make a deal uh, so they can get money for her in exchange for giving her back to like the people that want her. Um, mm-hmm. And like crazy space antics happen from there. The the team of these space junkers includes there's like the the normalish guy, the like the really cool chick pilot, the um, the like gruff like other commander, and a robot who's like also has attitude. It's just like, hmm. why why is this not like getting more credit here? Because it's like really fun and has all these like fun characters and like the use of effects. Anytime you like go out of America and you get like another country doing like crazy stuff like this with these kind of visuals, it just has a different feel to it. You can mm-hmm. say that about something like Fifth Element, I think, is a good example of that, where it just feel it just just a different kind of look to the way other movies are able to use these kind of visual effects when it comes to space-based chases and what have you. And it very much has that in this movie's DNA, and it it's just does it really well. Like I'm not saying the story's like amazing or whatnot, but like as far as a two-hour Korean space opera goes, this movie satisfies. It does, oh, it's a movie. It's not a show. It does the job. It is a movie. Yes. Um, do you think do you think it's because other countries get to take not don't take space as seriously? Yes. And but yeah, yeah but very like, much so. I don't mean like that they aren't trying to, you know, work yeah. in this. I no, mean it, just like legitimately. Right. Yeah. The the logic of the world makes sense in the world that it exists in. Like it that's mm-hmm. yeah. they're they're not going for the sort of sense of realism. Uh, they go for a, a fluid sense of realism. And I think that it works in its favor. And it's just like, you know, there's a lack of you know, there's specific kinds of color grading or what have like it's just there's just seems like it's a more like 
fun version of how to handle this compared to other more recent things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I mean, like Guardians, I think is the best example of this because that movie knows how to have fun with like crazy space chases as well. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it, it puts away the kind of realism aspect. It's like, what if we just bump each other in space because it's fun? Like it just has a lot of that kind of energy. Um, right. So yeah, whole, totally recommend Space Sweepers on Netflix. Super fun. Okay. Um, I also watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, the I guess ten years later, but the follow-up film for Kristen Wiig and Amy Mumolo, who both you know were Oscar nominated for the screenplay for Bridesmaids, uh, now they've collaborated on this movie where they both star together uh, this time around as well as Barb and Star, two Midwestern uh, lady friends uh, who go on a vacation to Florida, and that's pretty much the premise. There is a weird <laughs> like spy plot going on within this, but it's a means to an end because it's largely just about how silly can this movie get as far as having these two, these two friends be together and doing random things. And like Jamie Dornan comes in as part of this spy plot, but he's also like involved with Barb and star and there's other randomness that goes on. Like it's a very silly movie. Now I wasn't a huge fan of it. It didn't quite like hit me on the right tempo as far Mm -hmm. as, the humor they were going for, but I can get why it's getting a certain amount of praise. It does have this kind of bizarre energy that I think a lot of people are tapping into. And maybe they're just in a different kind of mood to accept it or just needed some big silliness for them. But regardless, I it's the, I, I'm not personally saying I like this, but I get where if you wanted to see a big bout of silliness, this would do. I get where that thought comes from. So, you know, good on this, them. But yeah, it's this is only because we are all still locked inside it has to be <laughs> like i refuse I, I feel like i'm being gaslit when people are like i thought this movie was great <laughs> I, it is it does have more overwhelming praise than i expected like i watched this as like well this this feels like a cult thing in the making uh-huh. and i'm just not in on the cult but then it has like an 83 percent around to me it's like okay well i guess a lot of people fell for barb and star like and good on them just mm-hmm. it's like people get to see Jamie Dornan be silly and they're like oh my god he's like this comedic genius and I'm like he's not that good <laughs> like what what about what about this movie is not computing in my brain <laughs> that's what I want it's not know. you it's not you Terrence I'm right. almost like do I need to watch it again to to make sure that I'm not crazy <laughs> you're yeah. not crazy I mean it, it enters <laughs> it, it feels it enters like it's like a like a hot like a hot rod or like a brother Solomon, like just these like random, like weird comedies that like mm-hmm. a certain audience can kind of tap into, except everyone seems to like already love this as opposed to being found like years later and be like, Oh yeah, that movie was great. It feels like everyone's already kind of gotten that energy, but I'm not quite there. I think it's fine, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's put Barb and Star Vista tomorrow. That's on like premium video on demand now. Um, PVOD. La- yeah. PVOD. The last thing I saw, the map of tiny, pretty things. Tiny perfect things. I keep confusing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the map of tiny perfect things. This is like YA Palm Springs. It is a time loop movie. Uh, it, it features two characters that are within the same time loop. Uh, they're stuck in a town, and there's a romantic plot angle to it. And yeah, now it's different than Palm Springs because it's not as good for one thing. But it also just it goes in different directions. Uh, than Palm Spring does as far as like what it's trying to accomplish and like that's I mean for one thing that's good because I'd rather have that than just an exact copy of 
what Palm Springs did so effectively. But it's also 139 minutes. Like that's a long Whoa, time what? for a, for like a roman for like a YA romantic Ooh, comedy about time yeah. loops. And, and I, I turned it on. I was like, I was ready for like, okay, here comes like a good like hundred minutes I could spend in a time loop movie. I like time loop movies, and it's like 139 yeah. minutes. <laughs> like that's, that's. You know who's mad at that? Divergent. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even get to finish their series. <laughs> um. So yeah, like it's on Amazon. If you really like time loop movies. This is one of them. It, it's got pretty good reviews. Like I'm not apparently the only one that I thought it was fine. But you can watch it in two days. <laughs> it's, it's it's quite long, so that's what got me. Yeah. But but it it does like its job for what it's trying to accomplish. So right. that's enough quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for Judas and the Black Messiah. America's on fire right now. And until that fire is extinguished, nothing else means a damn thing. Imagine what we could accomplish together. We can heal this whole city. You ain't tell me it was gonna be like this. These ain't no terrorists. We got a rat, man. Does anybody else know about me? No one knows your identity. Are you sure? We educate, we nurture, we feed, and we lobby. Perhaps we're here for more than just war with these bodies. We scream, and we shout, and we live by this anthem. But it's power to the people really worth their ransom. When I dedicated my life to the people, I dedicated my life. You get to go out there and talk about dying a revolutionary death, because you don't have another person growing inside your body. That should have been some of the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah. Given the various portrayals of the FBI in a good light, let alone past focus on J. Edgar Hoover, it should be no surprise that a film based around Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party has been in development for a while. For this biopic, writers Kenny and Keith Lucas, largely known for their comedic work, eventually developed this feature with writer Will Burson and director Shaka King. Set in the late 1960s, this take on Hampton's story is told through the eyes of Bill O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield, a quirk-turned-FBI informant who is tasked with infiltrating the Black Panther Party as part of the effort by the FBI to take down Hampton, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Terrence, this is a film that stars Kaluuya, Stanfield, and Lil Rel Howery. Was it the get-out reunion that you expected? <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny, because somebody once again needed to flash the light in uh, Lakeith's face to get his character to, you know, change. Um, it was a good movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm wrestling with a lot of things with regards to this movie, especially now that more people have seen it and they're bringing up their critiques. Um, like, I enjoyed it. I think it's solidly made. I think if you're thinking of like Hollywood trying to do a Black Panther movie that like this is pretty good um I do have some quibbles with with some stuff here or there in the narrative but I think we're largely carried through on the backs of the these great performances um so I think Lakeith is great he has such a weird energy as a person mm-hmm. um and then as an actor so it was interesting to see him in this part 
that like sort of relies on the weird energy, but for the most part, he has to keep it buttoned in. Um, Kaluuya was great. Jesse Plemons has never met an ain't shit character that he cannot play. <laughs> um, like just a, a, an entire IMDb page full of terrible people. Um, <laughs> and he's a phenomenal actor. Um, and I appreciated how awful they made the FBI look. Yeah. How awful they made the cops look. Um, <laughs> because you have to in order to tell this story. Okay. And just to tell a true story. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think my, my quibbles with it were like, you know, like these guys in real life were like 20, 21. Right. And you have these older actors playing them. And though they did a phenomenal job, you lose you lose some of something from that um and then then at the same time there's a particular moment in this story where lakeith is trying character is trying to hit on somebody and um fred hampton sort of schools him and is like you know these are our sisters and yet but like we know of sort of rampant sexual any any place where you've got you know men dominating something there is bound to be uh issues um and so like that might not have been part of this story but it is a part of the story so i was like it was this it was this weird balance of like trying to portray a man doing good things and doing good for the community but like sanding off just enough to make it like warner brothers you know, approved, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, those are my main quibbles, but I, I still enjoyed it. I think it's very well made. Marcus, where are you with Judas and the Black Messiah? All right, so any movie about the Black Panther Party, I'm kind of about, um, just because I think there's still a lot of FBI propaganda out there. Um, so anything that tells, uh, I don't, I've, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen a movie about Fred Hampton, and 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 to me, Fred was always the guy that I saw where the Black Panther Party was about to head, or maybe potentially could have gone. Um, so I was really excited about this movie. I agree with Terrence as far as it's 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 a good good movie. I do have some problems. My problems are a little bit different. My problems were with um, with Okay, so so the visuals are great. I think there's a lot of like Scorsese-esque stuff going on here, which is fantastic. But I I, I want to say that if you didn't know about the Black Panther Party going into this movie, you might be a little lost. I don't know if it's there's so like a Scorsese thing to do is to pause something and then give a little little bio underneath the person or whatever. It's a little whatever, right? This doesn't do anything like that at all. Like, I think – I don't know if they mention J. Edgar Hoover at all. I don't know if they think they might. They do. I, I, knew, I knew who it was. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, contextual stuff, historical, like, timeline stuff, I don't know that I – if I didn't know going into the movie, I don't know that I would have known how, how heavy this specific point in time was. 
Um, and I think it takes a little bit off a little bit of the sting off of this movie, which I, I think this movie needed to hit me just like the trailer hit me. And yeah, the trailer's two minutes long, but it just it it was almost like lacking on that on. I don't know who to who to kind of blame for that. Like, is it a, a writing thing or is it a directional thing? I don't know. But that's where it was. It, it kind of fell off a little tiny bit for me. Also. I don't know how much I can get into this, but the climax of the movie I don't think was handled very well. Um, and what I mean by that is it, it, you have an infamous climax. You have a, a, a climax where the layout, the blueprint of this climax is very, very important the, the, to know where everybody is. Um, if you've seen any documentaries on, on what happened um, and it's just handled in about two minutes. Um, yeah, it's probably realistic, but I think if it were handled by like Spike Lee or somebody like that, there would have been either real footage in there or it would have been – we would have walked through the spatial area of the apartment or something. That was a that was kind of a big like this is the climax of the movie. I know what's going to happen, and yeah, I knew what was going to happen before I went into the movie. But that took a little bit off of me, too. So maybe my my thing is with the direction. I think there's a lot to love about this movie. The performances are fantastic. I think Daniel gives a performance that's going to be right up there with David Oyelowo, uh, his his MLK, and and Denzel's Malcolm X. Like, he gives a fantastic performance. Lakeith Stanfield gives a really good performance. He's he, I agree with Terrence. He's, he's kind of this strange, like, aura, like – he has this kind of strange sense that I just don't know what I'm going to get from scene to scene, which is really exciting. And then um, Jesse is just kind of this like baby face assassin that I'm just really excited about watching. Um, but maybe, yeah, I don't know. It, I, it, I'm not going to say that I didn't dislike the movie at all. I, I, I think the direction maybe takes it down just a notch for me, how some of the scenes were handled. Yeah, as far as Juice of the Black Messiah goes, I, I really like this movie. Um, I think there's actually a lot that goes for it in the way that they decided to write it. And not that I don't disagree with Marks. I think the first time director was Shaka King, but you know, when time. I think, well, it's not. I mean, it's not, but it's one of his early. He's still early-ish uh, in his directorial um, uh, career. But with all that being said, I what I like about this is that it's slice of life. Um, it's not like, well, he was born uh, here and then it goes into this and this and this. It's actually just more like, great, he, he's already where he is. We're at a specific point in time and let's explore that. And what I also like about it, uh, I think that the characters are like it's it's intentionally written so that the characters are layer on and build onto them because um i think the way that everybody's correct that I, the acting in here is very good from everybody jesse plemons um i i agree with you terrence that he's like he can play like rude white guy very very well um and except for maybe landry in friday night lights where he's like you know he's, he's a he's like a pretty cool guy or nice guy um but what I liked about a lot of the performances are that, again, they, they kind of knowing that Fred Hampton was 21. There's still a lot of like 
young guy energy mixed with this mentality of like wise person soul even though it like it clashes at times too you see it on screen and then with uh jesse Fleming's character he he kind of starts out as like straight fbi agent man like doing his job and believing in the law and then it kind of really wrangles him into no the fbi is trying to like break up these you know organizations because we are the ones that are right not them and then he starts like buying into it and, and believing it much more um so it's very i by the end of the movie i'm just like yeah i don't know if i liked any like that that aspect of it uh but i certainly thought that you're right terrence like it definitely has to show the fbi in a negative light because the fbi 100 percent contributed to the murders of these people um and i like as a film goes the movie is strong at a lot of different points. I think that there's like some maybe like minor pacing issues at a little bit of the midpoint and a little bit after the midpoint. But beyond that, it's a, a well-written um, concept of a movie to focus on this particular part of Fred Hampton's life as it moves toward the end of it. Um, and here is one other person that you might not really know about, you know, in the, in the character of Bill played by Lakeith Stanfield um as it pertains to maybe his internal conflict like i i had a hard time watching him and not thinking like well i'm conflicted because i get where he's coming from like he could be up on these charges for for uh grand theft auto and for impersonating a federal officer but at the same time it's like man you're really laying down like these traps for um maybe something that you did believe in or you do believe in and it's really difficult to to think like you know, I didn't outright think like, oh, this guy's like a rat. Like, no, it's actually because I think like Lakeith is such a good actor, too, that he doesn't have to say anything for me to to really read his face and feel some emotions. Like, There's like some really great shots in this movie um, and including one where it's just Lakeith uh, with tears welling up in his eyes. And, you know, it, it's just like how magnetic he is as an actor. But um, Kaluuya kills this role. Like every time he's on the screen. I'm just like, this guy is amazing, and especially when he gives a speech um, after he's released him from uh, prison. I'm just like, this guy, like, this is what I was missing from the movie, like, in that 10, 15, 20-minute period or what have you. Like, there's flashbacks of him or, I mean, flashes to him. But, like, when he just gives that speech, I'm just like, this guy is fucking amazing. So, like, overall, I think it's a strong movie. Um, it does have some problems here and there, but like, it is worth a watch. I, um... I hate to immediately rebuke things in order to make a point, but it contributes to like why I really like this movie and why I think it's terrific and probably would have been in my top 10 if it came out last year or if I determined it as a, but I mean, I'd say I'd start off by saying, I think Marcus, I think you're overstating how it throws you in and you don't know anything. I think, I think you have the proper context of what's going on. I don't think you're, I don't think anyone's going to be too lost by just being thrown in here, but I also think it, it, I just don't think they're going to get the gravity. Perhaps this is, I, yeah. I, but I, I think it, I think it does enough, but I think it also contributes to what the film's trying to do. It's trying to be a character study as opposed to a history lesson. I mean, the history's there because yeah, we're watching a depiction, a dramatization of reality. But I do think it right. it throws you in based on who we are watching and the perspectives that we have in all of this. And in this case, we have O'Neill, who's a guy that's not been paying much attention to everything, which is why they 
why he was turned into an FBI informant because he's a guy that doesn't have seen doesn't appear to have strong opinions about the Black Panther Party or or Fred Hampton or what have you. And as far as the ages go, I mean, I've watched a lot of footage of, of Fred Hampton. Like Daniel Kaluuya, he's what thirty one. He does he doesn't look that old, and I think Fred Hampton actually looked older than he was in a lot of this footage. So it's and I think that that's part of what contributed to why the FBI felt he was such a threat. He see he he, he or at least they can wreck they can, they can contemplate that in their mind as far as thinking well he seems like an adult that justifies us. We're not just picking on a kid. We're picking on a man, uh, which makes which is all the more of why the FBI is just uh, the 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 decisions they made as far as how to handle the Black Panthers. They the governments, not just the FBI. Um, it's it's very enraging, and I think this there's. I wouldn't necessarily say this is an angry movie, but I can very much see that there's a lot of anger that can come out of watching these things. Even if there mm-hmm. is a, if you want to call it one-sided, I guess, but at the same time, it's like, what's the other side of this to really, beyond like maybe things that are being sanded off the edges, like you mentioned, Terrence, I don't know like how else you can really tell a Fred Hampton story and not show like the things that, you know, happened um, the way they did as far as, where things led with this person yeah. and what kind of uh, stuff was being dealt with. Can I respond uh, sure. to that? Uh, so two things. Um, I do th- like, I do think that he, Kaluuya looks closely like Fred mm-hmm. or as close as you can get, you know, I, I don't really care. Sure. The person looks exactly like the person. Um, but like, as we have seen in our current day and age, like it does not matter how old you look, they will still treat you like an adult. Yeah. Um, and so, from that standpoint, I I just wonder about the you know it you can't really grade a, a movie on what it's not. Yeah, um, sure. I just wonder about the effects of like if uh, like Stephen James is somebody who immediately comes to mind. You know, somebody and he's probably you know nearing his thirties too, so that might not be a good example. But somebody like that. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm really wrestling with with this movie is just in regards to how black people tell the stories of our heroes Mm -hmm. um, and how in doing that, can you dig into all of who somebody or something Mm. is? Like, I thought Mm -hmm. it was very pointed in the movie to have Fred Hamp to have that scene with um who did the key what is that guy's name? Bill O'Neill? Bill yeah, him. Uh to have him flirting with somebody and get chastised for it and have to do these push ups. Like I thought that was a very pointed thing that the filmmaker was trying to be like, oh the Black Panthers were all about like respecting women and yada yada yada. And it's like we see all of these, you know, one of his uh sort of right hand people is a woman. Um his his love interest slash wife had like a real profound effect on him but i'm also like uh, okay so so like but like why (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know why is that beat put in there like what are we going to show maybe that more black groups like this should have been taking care of women in this manner because we, you know, I like, mean, I think, I think you read a number of things and you read what kind of person they want you to show, to show Fred as, and also what Bill O'Neill's going through as far as what he thinks he's getting into versus what he's getting out of it. Yeah. It, but it just like, 
But as, if, if I look at it in the totality of presenting a picture of Fred Hampton, because one thing I think that this movie does that's smart is that it's not just Lakeith's story. Like, they are right. eerily close in screen time in this movie. Yes. It's like 49 minutes and 30 seconds and then like 48 minutes. <laughs> you know, so they're really, really close. And I think that that's really smart. So they want you to, they want to paint this fuller picture of this guy. And so when you have moments like that, I'm like, okay, so like, what, what are you trying to communicate to me past this? Like, that's sort of what I mean by like sanding the edges. It's like, look, here is this guy who is like, fighting for his rights and he treated women with respect and he did, you know, it's like building up this picture. If you look at something like Selma, you know, you get that one moment in Selma where Coretta and, and Malcolm are talking um, and she's talking to him about the tape that the FBI, you know, yeah. has been playing about him sleeping with other women. So you get, that's like the first movie where we really understand that like, oh, like he was cheating on Coretta. Like, that's not a part of his narrative at all. So, you know, right. so, like, when you have moments like that, it just, that was just something that sort of really, like, it, like, spoke at me rather yeah. than to me. And I certainly have, like, additional points on that, too. Uh, I know, Aaron, I know that you're still going, but I, I certainly want to bring, I, I want to come back to that, too, because um, I certainly had issues with the way that, that some of these things are portrayed or, or not expounded upon. The kind of things you're speaking to... I mean, it's not necessarily nitpicking at the same time. It's the kind of stuff we don't seem to want to judge other of the many biopics that we see for having. Uh, which, I mean, it, 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 I mean, speaking of Selma, it's the kind of thing where you have so many other films based around generally white characters with disabilities or what have you that are based on true stories where you let things slide. But then people got all upset because they treated LBJ like a politician instead of like some kind of other saint in a movie about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, I, 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 I get that shortcuts can be bad in some instances, but it's the kind of thing where the the rest of the movie has greater things to get into where like, I, it's hard for me to parse out some of these details in a way that's dramatically affecting my thoughts on the film. I can look into some of those things and be like, why is that there and question that? But like yeah. on the, let me, let me to, to finish just like my general thoughts on the movie, <laughs> I mean, what a big part of what I like about about Judas and the Black Messiah is that, Abe, you were mentioning this, it's not a Wikipedia movie, it's about a certain set of time, but beyond just being about a specific part of of, of Fred Hampton's life and like this, you know, these, these, this like, it's like a year, right? Pretty mm-hmm. much, like it's just like, essentially, a, like, yeah. yeah, like 69, pretty short be- amount of time. Beyond just being that kind of slice of life aspect, it's also a genre movie. It's very much, it's not just like a biopic. It's pretty much a crime thriller slash action movie, the way it's structured and the way it's shot. And I found that to be really interesting in the way, similar to like how I see certain sci-fi or horror films that very much have other things on their mind, but, you know, are able to couch it in genre. And I thought that was a really clever way to do this for a Fred Hampton story, where you're not just getting the depiction of his life and who he is or whatnot. You are, but it's, it's putting that through the lens of, a crime thriller you have this guy you have a rat you have you ha, you have a guy that's spying on this other man who's doing these things and you have action scenes involving the police versus the black panthers or you have other like just the way shaka king i think she and uh, sean bob the cinematographer who's worked with steve mcqueen a number of times it, it the way it's shut it just has a such distinct look and there's a level of tension that's there throughout i think that's really well done the score i think kicks in and like a lot of the right play mark mark isham and craig Hart, they like have a lot of there's really interesting stings that come into play here. 
and just the performances, the way they're handled. Like, yeah, I think Kaluuya is a force to be reckoned. Like, this is easily like a a role that can become iconic for him as far as what he's doing. And he, I mean, yeah, he does look the part. He bulked up. He like he has the the mannerisms and the rhythm of the Chicago guy down. Like, it's it's tremendous stuff. I think from his part. Is that like. I've watched the movie twice now, and I, I first time I watched it, I was more curious about Fred Hampton because I just haven't seen Fred Hampton be portrayed before in a movie. So beyond like minimal stuff, like that fantasy scene in Trial of Chicago Seven, because Fred Hampton was never at the trial, but whatever. Um, so it's like I was I was more curious about Kaluuya the first time around, and I was watching him, and he was terrific. Second time around, I was focused, I was trying to focus more on Lakeith Stanfield, and he like that's a really difficult kind of role to play, and I completely mm-hmm. agree with all you guys as far as the kind of strange energy he brings to his roles. He has that here, but now he has to play it like a snake where he wants to kind of get in and get out, do the thing he's required to do. But also you get obviously this conflicted side of him as far as the friendships he's forming, the things he's learning and how to handle all of this while being, you know, held with, you know, with his hands behind his back as far as what to do here. And I find I found how he, his portrayal of how that works I found to be really compelling. So like overall for a for a studio film like this. I was really into like how it was able to kind of bring in all of these different elements and make that work as opposed to being a, you know, a lower budget, like a two, four film that would do the best job it could with the limited means it had. I like the idea that I got a big glossy Fred Hampton movie that yes, has to kind of do certain things to kind of get to its point as opposed to making this well-documented detailed portrayal of something. I was able to forgive that just because I found what it was doing here I found it to be quite effective compared to like some other version of Fred Hampton story shot by some other director, probably white that would just do like, and then he did this and then he did that. Like, I, I think it's just, this did a really good job of putting that story out there. Yeah, totally. And I think that again, going back to the script here, the script is super strong. And I, I, I who is the cinematographer? Sean Bobbitt. Sean Bobbitt does, does an excellent job with like these night shots that look spectacular. Yeah. Um, and there's like even the opening, like this goes to the direction, Marcus. Um, I, I know that you feel maybe differently, but the, the opening is it's like this wonder and it's like, this is great. Um, but I think that there's like beautiful night shots here by Sean Bobbitt. There's like one scene where, uh, you see Lakeith Sanfield, um, opposite the reflection of like Leon's bar. Um, fantastic looking um, I, I want to get back there's to something a, that, real quick there's uh, a few clever wonders that you don't really realize are wonders until they're happening and i thought they, like mm-hmm. it's just there's a lot of little tricks like that that i just think really mm-hmm. work so a lot of stuff that it's like attached to a car and then the car leaves with the camera that, still like oh yeah too. there's like some really so cool too. ones like that that just work yeah and it actually goes back onto the car yeah um, it's pretty clever but um i want to go back to something that terrence you were talking about there which was just you know the exploration of some of the gray of some of these characters and I, I think that there was maybe like, while I did hint that there are scenes where you hear Fred Hampton say like, we should kill all these cops and, you know, killing one cop is not enough and killing two cops is like better and killing all the cops is like the best. And it's like, I'm paraphrasing, but there's also scenes where he's like, um, I wasn't, I didn't mean it like that. And I was like, well, some of your listeners are hearing it that way, including Bill O'Neill. And it's just like, I, I, I wish that there was a little bit more of like, well, this is actually, you know, uh, it's, it's a fairly nuanced thing. Like he's getting caught up in, in some of the words that he's saying, but he firmly believes like this particular aspect of it. And I think that there are elements of he believes in the rising of the proletariat and he believes in um, basically essentially like a rich versus poor type uh, situation because he's calling everybody a comrade. 
but it, there is like some grace so like you know did he want to escalate this into a uh more than than speech or how did he want to how did he want to um to have this materialize in such a way that was going to become like a more global uh impact and i i don't know like i i I don't know if that's like an an aspect of the writing that just wasn't there or it was just like well we're not trying to explore that we just want to get to the conflict of bill o'neill internally and then also like Fred hampton being a character that was magnanimous because he wanted to give uh, funds to build uh, his health center. Uh, at the same time, he was complex in that outwardly he was this way, but with his partner wife, he's this way. You know what I mean? I mean, it uh, gives you something bluntly as far as like Bill O'Neill arrives on his one scene with like a bomb, and Fred Hampton's just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, no, yeah. that's not that's not what are, that's not our thing here. Yeah, but but again, that's like it, it continues with like you're the one that said this and this and this, and he's like that's not what I meant. And so I was like, well, what did you mean? Like, you know, I would love to, to know. I think there's only, there's only so much you can do with a Fred Hampton character. Cause he was so young mm-hmm. when he, when he died. So, uh, I mean, he's still in the midst, like as, a lot of the movie, as, about a lot of the movie shows him like combining the, the, you know, the different gangs in Chicago, what have you. And yeah, this is, that's there, a very interesting thing. So, there's a lot of foundation the, being built before any action could actually be taken. Right. So yeah. that's why, I, that's why I thought that, that, uh, that, scene where he's you know while it's cinematic and whatever where he's making uh lakeith do push-ups um it, it, it was a little snapshot of okay this goes with the rainbow coalition stuff and this goes with he's going to be the new whatever you think about huep and whatever the scandal is this is the new blood coming up and this is the new mm-hmm. whatever you know and i think that's what they're trying that's what they're trying to say maybe and yeah i think so because they're trying to because the the illinois sort of chapter was more progressive Mm -hmm. than some of the other ones um with regards to those issues and that's sort of where like the supplemental material of like a juxtaposition between them might have been interesting you know um if you have him talking like that and then fred is like I don't know what they're doing over there in Berkeley, but like here, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like just little bits like that, give it a fuller picture of a world. Because I think this movie did such a good job of like establishing th- this world of these people. And it's like the little tidbits like that just continue to fill out the world. Just like I thought it was fascinating to watch him starting to unite when he walked into that place of that giant uh confederate flag i was like lord jesus <laughs> i just had to start uh, praying uh instinctively mm-hmm. um or then when he sort of joined up with like the uh, the latino or the latinx group mm-hmm. like that's really fascinating and i get that we can't really delve into that because very shortly after that he was dead right you know but like like those moments were great and I really, really enjoyed them. And I also kind of wanted like more of that, but then you have to go back to how the story is being told. It's like, okay, well, Keith is really our through line. So I guess we can't get that, but that, that's sort of, so like the movie is still really good and really Mm -hmm. entertaining and really strong. And now it's just about like, okay, like here are the things maybe I would have wanted or like the way that certain little tidbits, didn't work a hundred percent. Sure. 
I'm not saying that movies necessarily require you to be like, well, if you like this, then you definitely need to read this or that or whatnot. Yeah. But what I do like about certain movies that I'm fond of is that, especially, you know, especially ones that are, you know, based on some kind of reality, it does inspire me to want to learn more. I, and I, I wouldn't say, you know, put it past Shaka King and everyone involved in this movie that's like, yeah, there is obviously a lot more information about the Black Panthers that extend beyond a two hour dramatization of what they stood for. And I like I, I I'm happy to feel encouraged by a movie to want to know more about the thing that actually happened, like because you know yeah. this is giving me a certain version of that, but I you know the the question the questions that are being asked it's like those are good questions and yeah there perhaps there's a movie that's a little or more or much better because it's able to address those as well as do the thing it's already doing, but as as it stands. You know, I know how I feel about the movie, and I really like it. And at the same time, if I if I really feel like I want to know a lot more, like yeah, there's a way to look up more of that. That's not forgiving the movie for not including certain things, but I I'm able to look pa- there. The reason I like the movie isn't because of like what I learned necessarily, but it is because of how it's portraying what it chose to show. Sure. And I do I do think it does a lot of that really well as far as you know, giving me enough of who Fred Hampton was to get, you know, what the movie's trying to do with him. Because, like, you're, you're right, Terry. I mean, the movie, it is, Bill is the through line. Bill is our lead character in this film. It is Judas and the Black Messiah, not Black Messiah. <laughs> Judas, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. But, yeah. so, so it's... I mean, he's the first I, character that you see on the screen, too. She, yeah, and, like, you're following his narrative, right. like, and he's, you know, you're getting documentary footage of him. Um, that's based on actual documentary footage, and I I can understand why you would wait till the end to do that thing where you show the real guy. But um, yeah, that and ooh, that epilogue was so many things. Mm-hmm. It was so many things. Like I, I I wrestle with how I feel about it. With what with what Bill O'Neill said. Yeah, with 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 the decision to show that and to frame it in the context of like, and then a week later he's committed suicide. Mm-hmm. It's the like, kind of thing where I mean, you talk not to like hark on the age stuff again, but I do think the movie, I think it's playing on the idea that most people probably don't know how old Fred Hampton was, let alone these other details that surround his life. And right. Bill O'Neill for that. So I, th- I feel like and not that it's some kind of twist, but I do think yeah. part of the impact that you get from reading that he was 21 years old and, you know, some of the other. I think that does come as a, by the way, in case you didn't realize this, this is a true fact about this scenario also. And I, and I think it has it's going to have the that's what a, that's that's what being a studio film, I think, is. It's going it's trying to get that audience that doesn't generally know this kind of stuff. It's trying mm-hmm. to give you that information. And yes, there's others that will already know it, others that are much more informed or what have you. Yeah, but as me, far as as far as playing as a, not necessarily a four-quadrant film, because it's an R-rated biopic about Fred Hampton, but it's playing as a, you know, a, 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 a major audience movie, I think it it's riding on the fact that not everyone's going to have that information. Yeah, for me, for me it, it's less about, like, giving people the information and more about, like, the storytelling of it you sure. know yeah. um it because it's it's one of the few it's it might be the only time in this movie where i was like the movie wants me to feel this way 
Um, I think I think Shaka King, to his credit, does a really, really great job of allowing you to feel how you want to feel about these characters. Um, up until you have the real guy talking about how he felt and then juxtaposing it with the fact that he committed suicide, which is another, it was like, so this is how he felt, but this is exactly what he did. So like, here you go. And it's like, okay, how, how do I want to sit with that? And I think that it's good that this movie is inspiring me and like you and other people to sit with this movie and interrogate it. And, and cause that's the sign of a really good movie, you know, when you, when yep. you want to talk about it and you want to get into things, but, but like as a storytelling device, I'm like, okay, so what other than just giving me the information that this guy committed suicide, what else was the movie trying to give me by actually giving me these guys words? Did it want me to really think of him as just like a jerk? Did it want me to have, does it, does the movie want you to have empathy for him like what those are the, those are the questions i'm wrestling with with that moment yeah and I, and I think that's i think that's a good thing honestly i think the way it yeah because you're you're dealing with a character that doesn't have answers like he's and that's that contributes to why i think stanfield's so good in this movie also like he yeah, has totally. he has to play a guy where he doesn't have the answers to who bill was he has to just form what he thinks this is going on like is he what is he in the moment like and it's, there's a lot there there's a lot that a, that an actor has to do to kind of you know, you see it. You see it in like some of these these like half smiles he gives when he's with Hampton or when he's just escaped another scenario where he could have been caught for what he is. Well, let alone you know the obvious drama of him dealing with you know whether he gets caught or like waking up from bad dreams about the, like there's just there's a lot he has to like deal with to make this character like not be unlikable but certainly not be mm-hmm. a guy that you're welcoming around you. Right. And again, that goes back to the whole entire notion of, you know, ambivalence of this character, because uh, I'm uh, totally on board. Right. I don't know how I feel about Bill O'Neill 100 percent. Like, I get that he was put in a tough situation, but then you listen, you see what you see on the screen in the entirety of the movie and then you hear what he's with the real interview at the end of the movie. And you're like, mm. and then you, there's actually a line that that I'm, I I think about where it was Jesse Flemons who says it to him. It's like, I don't know if you're if you're the you might deserve the Academy Award for Best Actor, um, or maybe you're starting to really believe this stuff. You know what I mean? And I was like, I don't know either, because you do. You, it's like I I saw that you just like ran out on your friends in a shootout. I saw that you're protecting your own ass with all this uh, the informant stuff, and then it's like. I I don't know. I mean, I get that you were scared, but at the same time, like I don't know if you if if the last part was like something I was like. By the way, um, no, he's right. He he did do all these things, and he was with us. He did stand with us. It's like I I don't know. I I, I mm. I'm not really sure how I feel, but the acting is incredible. To right? be to yeah. like to get on that a little bit more, that interview we see, that is him. That's him saying a kind of a version of how he takes it, like whether or not like if you make if you can understand what I'm saying, like it's I don't know if I buy his attitude in that interview as opposed to mm-hmm. him just saying the thing that he thinks is the right thing to say in that interview. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it definitely it definitely felt like I it felt like he's trying to make himself sound good in that interview. I think is yeah. his objective, let alone well, and, regardless and of how he like, actually feels. And about then he it. killed. And then they're like, and then he killed himself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, so clearly he did, like, clearly he was really struggling 
with this and struggled with it his entire life. And so that's what it's the, it's such a weird, it's just such an intriguing thing. Cause I'm like, okay, Shaka, like, what did you hmm. want me to take from right. that? It's like, hmm. yeah, and I mean, I, I don't, I, I, and I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Because on the one hand, it's like, no, this guy clearly was a rat and he, he wanted, um, he wanted to just do what he had to do to get out of the the in the the debt of the the feds. Or it's like no, he had a hard time because he was really good friends with Fred Hampton, and he felt terrible that you know it led to his demise. I was reading up on on some of the the uh, on Bill O'Neill. It's like the dinner was at Bill O'Neill's house. It, it wasn't over at like Fred Hampton's house. It was like at Bill O'Neill's house. So you invited them to your house to have this last dinner uh and then he's dead like the next day kind of thing it's like like wtf kind of thing so it's like i don't know i mean i I don't know to your point terrence like i i don't know what the intention totally was but i i certainly i like lakeith sanfield's performance 100 percent. but bill o'neill's character i'm just like i don't know i don't know how i'm supposed to feel like are you telling me that i should have sympathy for this guy or to aaron's point it's like because i got that tone too it's like i got the tone of no guys i was a part of the struggle i was a part of the movement i laid my life down on the line during the 60s and you know for the black panther party and this is this is me giving my truth um but it seemed like there was actually a lot more guilt than truth so i don't know but isn't it isn't it a good thing that we don't know what he that he's complex like that like he was kind of living to Two that's lives, what I want to. That's what I want to. That's what I want to emphasize. That the 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 lack yeah. of a clear answer doesn't make me dislike the film. I'm intrigued by sure. it more because yeah. oh, of yeah. this character being slippery. It's right. not that. It's yeah. It's definitely not dislike. It's just sort of wrestling, trying to understand like what a filmmaker wants, and that's and that it could be a fool's errand because sometimes <laughs> you just will never know. Totally. Uh, or they'll come out like 20 years later and be like, oh, I just did that just because I felt like it. <laughs> like yeah. with with like, that in mind. I, with that, with, yeah, with that uh, in mind, there's been a lot of really great interviews with like pretty much every because Warner Brothers is putting on a whole campaign for this movie, obviously, so it's the right time for it. But there's a lot of great interviews with Chaka King and with the Lucas brothers and with Kluya and with and with Fred Hampton Jr. and um, well, she's that's not her name anymore, but with uh, Deborah Johnson, uh, what's <laughs> she changed her name um, now? But like you know, his Fred Hampton's wasn't his wife his 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 girlfriend yeah his partner uh but there's just there's just a lot of you know new new interviews online right now because of this movie that just you know feed into that kind of information for those that are curious i guess i'll mark a spoilers for history at the beginning of this episode at some point on this one (laughs) uh i want to talk about let's you know we've been focusing a lot on stanfield and just the nature of you know where things go but there's you know other stuff in this movie still there's other cast members we haven't really addressed but we've talked a little bit about jesse plemons i don't think we have to do too much more onto him but dominic fishback who plays deborah johnson hampton's girlfriend um I think she's very good in this movie in a very understated way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching her in Power, and I think I said it during the interview. It's like this girl's great, you know. I can't wait to see her more things. And here she is, Dominique Fishback, just being very good. I, you know, I, one of the things that I, I tend to look at these days are tears, like real tears versus like fake tears, because you can definitely tell when something's like fake. Um, it's like. Phenomenal acting. You know, there's a, a terrific scene between these two, between she and Kaluuya, when she's reading a poem about the nature of their lives and how it might change in the future and how maybe they should view their lives 
with these changes. Like, this is tremendous stuff. And then when you factor in the age that they were at that time, it's like, I get it too, right? You know, these these lovely 20-somethings, um, these thoughts of a, a beautiful uh, and, like, I guess uh, to some degree, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Where it's just shiny, bright, and, and you know, a wide-eyed kind of thing versus, like, the, the true reality of as you get older, you're just like, yeah, man. Like, probably not, not not so much naivety, but like, you know, Op- where optimism. optimism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that that lovely 20 year old optimism kind of thing, where it's like, hey, man, I'm gonna go out there and change the world. Like, that's what I want to do, and and this is how I'm gonna do it. And then before you, you grow know, up and turn into Marcus. Exactly. Go, yeah, put Ava, yeah, put Ava on your top list. Ava, and I don't even care anymore. I guess. We also uh, we have um, uh, uh, middle Chiron in this uh, Ashton Sanders. Uh, who I, I I'm 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 par, I'm I'm partially convinced he joined this movie just so he can dress up in all the different '70s clothes that he had to wear. Uh, Wait, what dressed? is his name in the middle part? It's um, it's Chiron because it's little oh, it, Chiron it, it, then black. Yeah. It's well, it's black and then Chiron and then and then. Oh, that's no, it's, right. it's little is first. Oh, little, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. Chiron, then black. And black, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But no, I, I like he's good in this movie. But it's not the same. I just kept thinking every scene, Ashton Sanders, <laughs> known to <laughs> to model, um, just is like in like new '70s duds that always just look great. It's like good for him, I guess. Like, he's just, he's yeah, doing the part. I mean, he was good. <laughs> yeah, for the for the scenes that he's in, he's pretty good. I the mean, other he kind Panthers... of serves like a as some of the some of the the scenes. He was one of the angrier Panthers because you have like Algie Smith from uh, from Detroit, among other things, and he's mm-hmm. he's more low key. Um, but you just had like this collection of characters in this movie, and and Fred Hampton always kind of like setting them straight as far as how they're supposed to conduct themselves or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And then. But, um, mm-hmm. No, I was gonna I was gonna say that um, I think the other thing about the optimism is that that goes to uh, just how young. Fred Hampton was like 21 and you know Aaron I just talked about uh Mario Savio like three weeks ago and that mm-hmm. guy was also like 20 or 21 doing this like Berkeley free speech movement stuff I was like man like activism was super alive and well uh and at 21 I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do I, I guess I should go take this accounting internship like I'm just so <laughs> lame compared to like some of these people like I want to see that Fred Hampton <laughs> opts out to take the accounting or he's just like i i just try to get this job at this bank <laughs> i mean that's sorry to bother you <laughs> sorry we can't stand field <laughs> if my voice was uh david cross that's that's fine <laughs> uh martin sheen uh, doing better work than leo was uh, j edgar hoover was i was gonna ask like how how was that makeup compared to to uh, Leo's. It's fun because I've been watching West Wing, and so it's like, oh, this is neat. <laughs> he's, he's like the nicest president, and he's like the worst guy. <laughs> I no. was so glad to see this portrayal of J.H. Group. Uh-huh. Um, first of all, this movie actually remembered, made me remember that Clint Eastwood and Leonardo DiCaprio and Army Hammer actually did a J. Edgar Hoover movie. Oh, yeah. I completely blocked it from my mind. Um, much <laughs> like the horse people <laughs> sorry to bother you uh, which Aaron knows about because he brought it up and I was like I legitimately did not remember that that happened mm-hmm. um, I I liked this portrayal because I think 
like we can Understand. we can talk about how this man built the FBI to what we know it to be today. Sure. And we can get into, you know, the FBI man being his sort of repressed sexuality coming out. And we can also talk about how awful he was. <laughs> you know, and this like it felt like a guy who was running the FBI who wants to get somebody off of the street, the tactics that they would pull to do that, you know. When he was doing that, that's that uh, when he was asking, uh, what would you what would you do if your daughter brought home a black man? I was that was not even one of those like Hollywood. Oh, this is way over the top. I, I was like, oh, this is probably a conversation that happened more than once. Uh, so I was really happy to see this. I, I'm with you, Terrence. I was really happy to see this kind of portrayal. I believe he says uh, a Jacob. black too, right? A black, not, not, yes. not a black man. He says a black. Yeah. <laughs> this what, what, is the basis of his whole FBI hunt. Yeah. Look at him being a progressive on gender. <laughs> 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 using using a a, a a a gender not a, a not a a not specified word. <laughs> Uh, the other thing that's great about that scene too is like it could easily have played out as you know locker talk like oh Jesse Plemons is in on the joke and he's just gonna say you know uh, whatever he's gonna say but he's like no he actually questions it for like three times and I was like I I dig this you know this is why Jesse Plemons is like he's he's a really good actor people like he's he's like he's really good he's he's great at delivering like this nuance of I don't like how this guy's asking me this, but at the same time, like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? Like, am I supposed to play along or am I like, is this like something that, and then it's like, the point is actually like a really, to be honest, like it's a stupid point um, of what J. Edgar is saying to them, but it's really just like, yeah, this is how this guy thought of everything. It's like protecting the, 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 the war at home kind of thing. I was like, this is crazy, but also, Mm. yeah, to Aaron's point earlier, of just like the, um, the crime story of this all like what's fascinating is the tactics that the fbi takes right so it's like hey by the way we'll have informants um and so that gives us the legal authority to go in anytime we want and i was like this is wild um and yeah i, I i'm glad that they did include those things because you know I, now it's like a coalition of everybody but marcus i definitely agree with you too that you have to show these things because you have to show that uh, and terrence brought this up earlier too it's like you have to show that these people are antagonistic or this this organization is antagonistic toward these people who didn't necessarily start out as like being aggressive or aggressors i love the line from lakeith saying like these guys these guys aren't terrorists they're terrorizing me um because he's just like i've got to do, do push-ups like i haven't talked to these women whatever the case is so i i love that because the other the other scene in someone that i really like a lot is when um you get lbj uh, and he's talking to like the the governor of like Alabama or whatever. He's like, yeah, "Are you trying to yeah. fuck over your president?" You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, man, these guys aren't soft spoken people. Like they're in these positions of power for a reason. You know, like I have no doubts that President Obama has had harsh words for some people in behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I love that there's portrayal of like, yeah, no, the FBI wasn't like all. Oh, they weren't like the the Boy Scouts. Um, they're some harassers and they kind of like have like this weird tarnished history during that, that Hoover administration. There's a lot of tarnished history in there, but um, 
speaking mm-hmm. to the speaking to the Hoover thing real quick, it gets me back to Jesse Plemons, where I it it shows a degree of how awful these people can be because Hoover obviously has terrible things he's doing. Plemons, I feel like the, what they're doing with this movie with his role, I he I think he thinks he's not racist. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet the, you know, mm-hmm. he's still like, whatever you want to call it, he's still radicalized by what he's doing for the FBI to think that he's in the right and that mm-hmm. he can ask certain things and act certain ways and present, uh, you know, a, a black man with opportunity and what have you and feel like he's doing it the right way. And he's on the good side of things and he knows what's wrong or what have you. I think that makes it that, that, that allows Plemons to play some interesting shades as far as right. not being just overtly evil. Um, he's the different kind of evil, uh, as far as like what he's what he's doing to Bill and what he's you know involved with as far as handling the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I do like that there's a nuance of him trying to be a good FBI agent because he's like, sure, yeah, I'm the only CI or I'm the only guy with the CI that that's in part of this organization right now, right? He's like, no, you're not. He's like, uh, what? Like I thought that I was, and then I actually like how he questions like, we're just gonna let this guy a murderer walk free. He's like, that's yeah. the name of the game, man. And I was like, see, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think he was, he was very much uh, fooling himself. I think he was sure. kind of, he's not a really good guy, but he was, yeah. he, he's one of these guys that's very, I'm doing good. Look at me. I'm well, acknowledging yeah, he, this and I, I'm acknowledging that and I'm doing all this stuff. But he's not a good guy. He joined the well, FBI. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, so it, it again. That's like it starts out as like, oh, well, maybe this guy's like the straight arrow cop. It's like, no, there's it layers on as the movie progresses. You're just like, this guy's a, definitely a part of like the same yeah. systemic uh, racism cog, right? It's like I actually really like. There was like one question that J. Edgar asks him about his family, and I was like, I heard a name earlier, and I don't hear that name now. Did he like? Is he such a bad cop that he just like has like this? this fake thing going on that he's telling Bill and then you, you hear the name again. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Now I get, now I get it. In any, any case, any, well, before, before we wrap up uh, with this review, I want to get back to the ending. Cause Marcus, you're saying you're not, uh, as far as the kind of that, the climax um, yeah. of the film, you're saying you're not as big of a fan on it. I, I no, think it's quite a, fi- okay. I, <laughs> what? No, no, no. Okay. 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 Here's what I'm saying. So there's one scene in there that, it shows uh, 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 Deborah Johnson's face, right? Mm-hmm. The character of Deborah Johnson's face. It's a, it lasts for what about five six seconds, right? That scene is super effective. That scene, the the beforehand, it, it's very um, as far as like the stylization of everything that's happening throughout the movie. That scene just seems lacking. It's like this is what happened. Bam, 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 bam. I don't really know where everybody's at until halfway through the the what what's actually happening. And in any documentary I've ever seen about um, Fred Hampton, um, that the 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 proximity to where he is in the apartment to everybody else, um, the apartment, uh, the room itself, everything is very like important it's very very important um this sequence just seems like kind of yeah there's shots and it's violent and it's over and i really wanted more of an expanding kind of gravity to that and i just didn't get it i i, I would i would argue that the 
the the the weight of that scene comes a minute earlier where you're dealing with what Bill's doing in there, and then he, mm-hmm. and the rest is just a very blunt effect of, of what he did of what that led to yeah. i and i and i but i also would say i do think it's quite i mean for the small amount of time it lasts i do think it's quite a, evocative in the visual storytelling of it you get these overhead shots you you get you know the fact that there's just danger approaching these people for sleeping for doing nothing at all right. and what's immediately happening like you establish like jermaine fowler's care mark clark uh, right. You establish who he is in a few scenes earlier, and then all of a sudden everything breaks loose, and it's like it's intensity, but it's all it's a burst of intensity because that's what it is. It's a bunch of shots being fired with no act. I mean, there's nothing else to stylize there, and I don't know. I I I found the not not just the brevity, but the matter of factness of it to be you know exact as far as what what you need to show when you show a scene like this. I I, so- I couldn't. I don't think it was like lacking as far as like they dropped the ball in this scene. I think there, yeah, for sure. When, when it was going to happen, there are, there's this like Brianna Taylor thing that's being invoked. And when it's done happening, there is that scene where we're seeing the finishing touches that are happening that are just Mm -hmm. happening. Um, I just, I I almost I wanted a little bit just more because the 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 the, the visuals and the style the, all that style and everything that was happening beforehand it just seemed to kind of kind of like okay this is just another scene and it wasn't just another scene this is like the most important scene of the movie um arguably um and I I just I think it could have been handled but uh, look, what Terrence was saying, I can't, I can't argue over something that I wish would have happened. I just wish it would have, I wish it would have happened. I don't know. I don't know. There's like a helicopter going over over my head right now, but I, I certainly, <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to just quickly add in, like I, I hear what you're saying, Marcus, too, and I think that there, Aaron, I, I want to echo what you just said there, where it's like it's not a stylized. Like I think the only stylized part is is Marcus's point where you're seeing Dominique Fishback's character, um, and she's just staring, uh, you know, blankly at the camera or, or maybe maybe off center of the camera, um, but it's quick, it's dirty, it's rude, um, and it's it's like wild to some degree too. Like I was like I don't know if these are just gangsters or if they're cops, and it's like oh they're cops because now they're putting handcuffs on people, um, but it's also just like you know, the ratio of bullets from both sides is, is wildly ridiculous, right? So it's just more of like, yeah, I get it. They just came in and like they just essentially executed everybody or yes. tried to execute everybody. They, they, and they, that's, they right. and that's why, <laughs> right, but that's why I think that the scene is, is um, fine as is because otherwise, like, you know, like he chose to do it that way and, and I was fine with it. Yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, Judas and the Black Messiah before we kind of move on? I know we've talked a lot about the film. Uh, no, not really. But again, like kudos to everybody involved in um, like this. I, I'm I'm really glad that they got super strong actors to play these parts and these roles because um, it really can elevate a lot of things. Well, with that in mind, when should people go and see this movie? It's currently streaming on HBO Max. And it's in theaters. Um, 
Terrence. <laughs> Terrence, what, where should people see this? Should they, should they put it right at the top of their queue or what? Um, watch it. Yeah, watch it on HBO Max right now. Um, and then I guess if you, well, I don't know if you if there's a space where a theater is open where it's actually safe, but <laughs> if you have to go outside. <laughs> but put on two masks <laughs> marcus how about you uh yeah hbo max i as much as it sounds like i hated this and i loved ava more or something like that i didn't <laughs> um just yeah i would hbo max yeah it, yeah as far as like our old theater our old rating goes this is a theater movie and then yeah it's top of your queue watch it yeah, yeah this movie I mean, we talked about the visuals, but it really looks great. Like, it's so, like, watching this on my TV, it's like, this is such a good-looking movie. I'm so happy that it, like, has everything going for it, and it looks as amazing as it does. So, yeah, watch it on HBO Max. They they, they gave you, it's the best version you could watch it in as far as them streaming it somewhere right now. So, so do that. Um, all right. Well, we talked a lot about Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, I'm very happy to have that discussion. So let's uh, move on now. Let's get to uh, Abe. What a... Oh, it's over, right? Goodbye. It? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you, Marcus. No, thanks, no thanks Marcus. It's, it's, it's time for what is it? Oh, Aaron, it's time for a quick game. <laughs> that was really good. I have nothing to add to that. That was, <laughs> that was longer than it usually is. And I was like, this is very pleasant. <laughs> What if I chose uh, to a, learn a tune at some point? <laughs> Wouldn't you be impressed with me? I, if you if you bust out with like a real song that you wrote for the show, that's like three minutes. Like I'd be like, this is amazing. Like everybody, shut up. We're listening to this right now. We're gonna use it as our intro song all the time. <laughs> um, I've got a couple games for you guys. Uh, both of them are on a scale of, but one of them is just for the actors of the show. Uh, I'm sorry, of the movie. Uh, and to be honest, it's not it's not the best skill. It's actually the tomato. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience score. So oh boy. I'll go through everybody here because everybody will have a chance. But this one is shorter than the other one. So that's, is that's, it all is it all movies starring women or POC? Because I know they're all going to be low if that's the case. Yep, it is. <laughs> I was going to say the rating the rating system that I truly despise, despite being a tomato meter approved critic. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is like these are it's just uh, three actors. So here we go. Um, Aaron, what do you think the tomato, uh, uh, the highest audience score rating for Daniel Kaluuya's movies is? What movie? Oh, what movie do I think has the highest score of oh. of movies he starred in? Of movies he starred in, yes. Audience score. Audience. Yeah, this is where it gets like WTO. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, because this could go a number of ways. <laughs> uh huh. It's actually kind of interesting. <sighs> Don't look it up if you if you have access I'm to your. Why would I look it up? Not, not you, I, not you. I, we play. We play all of. Play, any, if honestly. I find out anybody in this show is cheating at games, let me tell you. We're not gonna you play know, games. Hey, listen. You know I'm not cheating. <laughs> okay. So Dan, okay. All right. All right. All right I would have okay, thought okay, that okay. a long time ago. Dan, Daniel Kaluuya audience score movie. Yep. Highest one. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Mm. I think I know the answer. I'd go multiple ways. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, I think I know the answer. Because of the trolls. The trolls are getting me, guys. Me and a good. I'm gonna. Damn it. I'm gonna say get out. 
Okay. Uh, Marcus? No, wait. <laughs> oh, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. No, I didn't say final answer. I'm changing my answer. Hey. I'm saying Sicario. Oh, shit. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. This is audience pick? This is, this is audience score. What 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 is the highest rated movie that the audience gave to Daniel Kaluuya's filmography? Or what film was it? Marcus, what do you think it is? Black Aaron Panther. is saying Sicario. Black Panther. Black... Oh! And Terrence? Damn it. No. You could no. go with Black Panther as well, or Sicario. Uh, that was what I was going to do. Gotta be. Gotta be. I'm going to go with Get Out. Ooh, Get Out. That's a great one. Just the answer get... is Queen and Slim. That's surprising. 92%. <laughs> what, Thank wait, you, Terrence. What did Black Panther get? Black Panther got 79. Uh, yeah, I'm t- that's the troll the stuff. Fuck? Yeah, Sicario <laughs> got 85. I was close on Sicario. And Get Out got 86. It's number two on his audience score. Uh, mine was Black Panther was the lowest. Black Panther was the lowest. Yeah, that's the troll stuff. That's yeah. that's before that's before they changed how they do audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Oh man! Because they had they had, they had to literally change it because people were like troll rating things, troll reviewing it uh, yeah. with like zeros and stuff. They yeah. had to change it so you can like have an approved ticket in order to like respond on Rotten Tomatoes. Thanks. Well, the next one's here. That's surprise. I mean, I guess I know. It's I was like, it, it's it's tomato score. That seems 80s, like the but... most of the of those movies. That seems like the most controversial one. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have guessed that, that would have been fifty something Queen and Slim for audience I don't score. Know but... Anybody in my life who likes Queen and Slim. Thank you. Great. I need I need more of Terrence's friends in my life. One of my Boy. friends loves that movie, and I'm like, you gotta see more movies, man. I think it's great. It's a good, it's a good movie. It wasn't you, it's Aaron. That's wrong. That's wrong. The next person, Lakeith Stanfield. Terrence, what do you think Lakeith Stanfield's highest audience score movie is? I'm trying to remember movies that Keith Sandfield has been in. <laughs> I could give you some names if you'd like. Can I IMDb? Can I look at his roster? I'm not going to go to... Do you want to name wanna... some? I can name some for you. I'll name some for you based sure, off the year of release. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, short from 12. Straight Outta Compton. Dope. Snowden. Miles Ahead. Memoria. Live Cargo. War Machine. Incredible Jessica James. Quest. Uh, Get Out, Death Note, Crown Heights, The Girl in the Spider's Web. Sorry to bother you. Death Note. Um, <laughs> Come uh, Sunday, Uncut Gems, Someone Great, sure. Knives Out, The Photograph, Judas and the Black Messiah, which we're not counting. Oh, it's the photograph. Uh, Pick the photograph. The photograph I'm gonna is go with, I'm going to go with <laughs> Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Okay, got it. Marcus, what do you think Lakeith Sanfield's highest audience score? Uh, he was in. Knives Out. I'll go with that. Okay. And then... Uh, Hardly any black people in that, so it's got to be... No, but you, but you got like the, you got like the <laughs> tallest one. Yeah. He's in the like, entire movie, which is great. You, you got like the tallest one, so that counts for like 14 black people right there. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Aaron, what do you think the highest audience score is? God. Terrence, you said Uncut Gems? I certainly did. And you said knives out, so you got the really white ones out of the way. <laughs> There's, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm going to be wrong, um, and it's going to be another one that I have in mind. So feel free to pick. I like, I like that you have a backup guess. 
I like that I remember Snowden's a movie now. Like, that's really I like the way too. he introduced himself in <laughs> Snowden. He says his foot, Patrick Haynes. He's like, what? I oh, see. So you remember three steps more than I do as far as Snowden goes. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, hmm. It's like retroactively rated short-term 12 bad. Um, they wouldn't do that. Because that's what trolls do. <laughs> like, Robert Malik is in it. We've got to give us 100%. I don't know. I'll just I'll just say sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Okay. Sorry to bother you came in with seventy percent. All right. Uncut Gems came in with fifty two percent. Oh wow. What? It's a stress movie. People don't like stress movies. <laughs> it, they really don't get them either. Knives Out tied with his top highest ninety two percent. Short term twelve is this is this top. Oh, short term twelve. I was going to say short term twelve, but I was like, Should no, let me. Twelve got ninety two percent. Did you? Yes. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably because like it came out in like two thousand thirteen and nobody was like fucking around on the internet. As much. <laughs> what does Straight Outta Compton have? You know, Straight Outta Compton. It's um, it's uh, audience score is eighty six. Yeah, I thought yeah. it'd be high because people yeah, like that movie. It's fairly high. Straight Outta Compton is the movie. I was surprised, like, why people really wanted to see. <laughs> they, no, they wanted to like really Mark be like, oh, Johnson. this is the song that I've been listening to and TikToking to. Mark Johnson <laughs> from Awards Daily Now was like, <laughs> what? that was one of his most anticipated movies of the year. And I was like, did I, did I, have I stepped into an alternate universe? What's going on here? It had, it had all the right ingredients because it's a, it's a studio film. It goes off songs that a lot of white people I mean, know. No, it's really, it's really <laughs> good. I'm just surprised the amount of like white people who were who wanted to see it. Because it's not... They, I, they, I would argue it's not... What was going on. I would argue it's not trying to challenge you too much. It's just giving you, you know, history. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not trying to make you feel bad for you know for for being a white guy watching this movie. Or, uh, it's just trying to lay yeah, this it out. wasn't trying to white guilt you. <laughs> um, the last actor here, uh, Jesse Plemons. Oh, that was um, Ray Marcus. What? I thought it was Lil Ray Howery. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> get, in, he's great in the movie, by the way. Get, get the whole scene. Get Out crew in this. Yeah. Um, Marcus, what do you think the highest audience score film for for Jesse Plemons is? Um, audience. Let's see. No white. Keep people, in mind what I included. Black You know what? Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. White. White film. Game night. Ooh, that's a damn good answer. Right? He was the neighbor, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer. Aaron, <laughs> what do you think Jesse Clemens' highest audience score is? God, that's a good answer. I love how you guys are like. What, what do white people think? <laughs> um. I know what it's not. Observe and report. It's not observe and report. Um, you never know. All hmm, could be one of the Spielbergs. I'm gonna say, but which one? <laughs> I like that you have uh, Beckett's as well. What Spielberg? I'm gonna say Bridge of Spies. Ooh, I was I was wondering if anyone was actually gonna remember him in there. I know, well, I remember he's a because I I know who Spielberg's guys are. He's <laughs> like, yeah, come back for this one too. <laughs> and Terrence, what do you think is the highest audience score film for Jesse Plemons? I just want to say that Jesse Plemons has been in a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> this IMDb page is he. You want to talk about booked and busy? Um, <laughs> I'm torn between two movies right now. It's I either true. like Mike. <laughs> Like Mike, uh, like Mike with starred uh I guess Bow Wow, Bow wow and, and Jonathan Lipnicki, of course. 
Um, of course. Um, I, I feel because I feel like there were a lot of people who were bored by the Irishman, but I also know people who love the Irishman are crazy, and they I feel like they I'm gonna go with the Irishman because I feel like they would they, okay, you know, yeah. Kind of long, but you know, I guess it got it got good reviews. Uh, Terrence, you're right. It's the Irishman. Really? <laughs> wow. Eighty six percent. Game night, seventy seven percent. Bridge really? of Spies. Do you All have my any white thoughts? friends loved Game Night? What? Bridge of Spies. They don't even <laughs> credit him in it on on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh really? Well, look it up. <laughs> look, like, up game, look up Bridge of Spies. It's got to have like fifty. Uh, it he's not is. A, he's not a big part. He's, <laughs> he's not. Eighty-seven percent. Like, yeah. I mean, am I winning sure. then? What are we talking here? <laughs> yeah. The good news is that this isn't the game that that actually matters for the win. The next game. Hold on. Hold on. We're, we're oh overstepping the fact that I won this. I won this round. I actually <laughs> got. I got a round. You actually got. Uh, the next game is. Uh, this is the real. That was the warm-up game. The real game. This is on a scale of, but it's and the. Uh, because this is Judas and the Black Messiah. These are all films that have and the in them. And this is off the <laughs> Metacritic's rating. Uh, oh, this is, this is uh, here we go. I like the uh, thought that went into this part. <laughs> and the. <laughs> and the. <laughs> There's actually a lot of films with and the. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate round. Factory. Terrence, what do you think Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's Metacritic? And if you could close your IMDb, that'd be great. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, I literally was just trying to look up what these people... <laughs> been in. Uh, I could have cheated and I didn't. Um, original Charlie and Chocolate Factory no, or this, Johnny this Depp? Johnny Depp one. Yeah, Charlie. The other one's Will. Oh, the other God. one's Will. Big Willie's um, in the factory. Metacritic. Which, so it's which, a little bit more real. What is the, the scale for Metacritic? Is it one to 100? Zero to 100. Um, real quick. 62%. 62. Okay. Marcus, what do you think Charlie and the Chocolate Factory had? Oh, geez. I'm going to say 38. 38. And Aaron? For Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Metacritic score. What did Terrence say? He said 62. I don't think it was hated. I'm going to say 50. 50. Okay. The answer is... 72. So Terrence Really? Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, yeah, it wasn't yeah. really bad. People want to bag on terrible. it. It got, yeah. it got good reviews. It's, yeah. it's one of those I... things that we've hated more over time. Oh, man. Uh, the next one here. Uh, Marcus, what do you think The Quick and the Dead got on Metacritic? So quick and the dead was her <laughs> These jumps. Okay. The and the movies we have. <laughs> Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Quick and the dead. The quick and the and the, the dead. dead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, it's a window into Abe's mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go s- sixty. Sixty. Okay. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think the quick and the dead got? This one's not loved, but I feel like the blot, the board would be like. Conventional story, but Sam Raimi's direction keeps it going. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'll say 52. 52. And Terrence? Um, I've never heard of this film. Um, oh, you don't know the Sam Raimi western starring Sharon Stone, Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Gene Hackman? 
It's pretty good. It's pretty 48%. good. 48%. <laughs> Terrence is 49. <laughs> good job. I was like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> the next one here. Lars and the real girl. Aaron, what do you think Lars and the real girl got? <laughs> what a jump. Lars and the real girl. <laughs> yeah. It's just, this is and the, come on. This Lars and the real girl came out when I was still like, did, is Ryan Gosling just always great? He made this movie work. Um, <laughs> the person who plays his sister and the person who plays the doctor are also very good. He is just, there's a scene I remember where like, I, I don't need to get into Lars and the real girl. Yeah. He's really good in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Good movie. Uh, 67. 67. Uh, Terrence, what do you think Lars and the Real Girl got? 75. And Marcus? I'm going to go... What did Aaron say? He said 67. I'm going to go 66. (laughs) You should have gotten 68. Are you serious? So, Aaron, you're the closest <sighs> to that. You're it's 70, is that what you said? Closer. Did you say it was 70? It was 70. Yeah, yeah. Should, I was thinking, like, Marcus is going to go higher, right? Trying to He's not. Out the knees, but, Marcus, Marcus, you can uh, – or, Terrence, uh, what do you think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Oh. There's a hell of a ther- marathon going here. Lord. Um, 86. 86. Okay. Marcus, what do you think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid got? I think it got... Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 89. 89. <laughs> You're going higher this time. Okay. Aaron, what do you think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid got? 90. 90. 66. Mm-hmm. R- what? Aaron, you're the closest there. I will take it. <laughs> yeah. couple more here. The squid and the whale. Marcus, what do you think the squid and the whale got? The squid and the whale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eighty-five. Eighty-five. Aaron, what do you think the squid and the whale got? That acerbic thing, I think, gets to people. Seventy. Seventy. And Terrence? I'm gonna go with. 91. 91. Are we playing Price is Right rules? I'm going to say no because I didn't I didn't say that to begin with. It's 82, so Marcus, you get that one. Well, yes. What did he say, 87? It's 82. 82. What did Marcus say? What did Marcus, Marcus say? said 85. 85. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Last one here. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip. <laughs> Oh God, Aaron! What is that like number four or something? <laughs> yes, the road chip guy. <laughs> like legitimately the fourth movie, or like yeah, it, it yes, is it's like the fourth, the fourth movie. One. Oh, it's not, it's not a okay. don't, don't act like I don't know, even though I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> they had a lot of them. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think Evelyn Chipmunk's got? Metacritic. The road chip. <laughs> the road chip. Colon the road chip. <laughs> um. <laughs> Let's go uh, 24. 24. Terrence, what do you think? Road chip guy. Heifer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could say 24 and, and make it interesting. You I'm could say 24 go... and be like, Kiefer Sutherland from Stand By Me. Hey, yeah, I would go say 22. 22, okay. And then Marcus. I'm going to go 
go I'm gonna go fifteen. Fifteen. You guys all went low. Aaron, you get it. It's thirty three. So yeah. higher than what everybody here thought. But wow. With all that being said, Terrence, you're the winner of this week's game with Woo! three correct names. Wow. Despite not knowing what I know. Crime and the punishment. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that was games for this week. Did I lose? Thank again? you, Abe. Yes, you yeah. you I you didn't come in second, Marcus, but you know you came in second in our hearts. I feel like this is just a big humiliation. Like this is all. Are you in on this, Terrence? Is this like? <laughs> it's like disgust. While this is like not... real quick, he can't get on Skype and. No. <laughs> I tell you that every time we play a game, I just go into it thinking I will lose. <laughs> Fuck up. This might be the first time I've won. No, oh, I'm I'm the I'm the Washington Generals. I, <laughs> I just I'm put out there to. That's not a real team. Get... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most of what badminton? What what what's the Generals? <laughs> They got beat up by the Globetrotters every time. There you go. There we go. Abe, thank you for that game. You're welcome. Uh, let's move on to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go to the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash on our podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers. And Abe, why don't you get this one started? First question is, what are some great films about young leaders? Chris has Luke Besson's Joan of Arc. Anybody else? Any any just, films about great leaders? I'll Young? just go with the, the better versions of Joan of Arc that exist. Um, like the, the silent film. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, other young leader films. I don't know, does Attack the Block count? It's Moses yes. leader. Yeah. <laughs> Moses is a leader. Save the block. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence has an issue with this. <laughs> it's controversial. Yeah, that's it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one in the hmm column then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll add in uh, a kid at King Arthur's court. Shut oh. up, Dave. <laughs> you got to say, yeah, what? Well, what about like Mike? Didn't we're not forgetting about like Mike? Like Mike? Sure. Yeah. I mean, does he actually save anything though? He probably. He. I never saw it, but he probably saves the game. No, he believes in himself the because the that shoes stop working. <laughs> oh, I've never seen it. I've, yeah. I know he has cornrows. <laughs> Young leaders. Young leaders. <laughs> I don't know. I legitimately cannot think of one. If you, if you do think of something... Akilah yeah, and the Bee. There we go. That Akilah and the Bee is the young leader and the good, the happy, positive uh, black movie. Nailed it. I win. I win. Yeah. I win. There you go. I guess you do. Can I go BPM, the French movie about the the AIDS crisis? Does like the lead the leaders of the ACT UP in Paris? I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. 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 BPM. I was trying to think of other young, specifically young leaders also when I asked this question. I was hoping to get more answers. That said, we are recording a day earlier than we normally do, so we didn't get as many answers on our feedback this week. Thank you. you. Uh, (laughs) Next question here. What are some great films about traitors? Ooh. Chris writes The Passion of the Christ. Oof. (laughs) Great movie? 
Other movies about traitors. And uh, the Jesus Christ Superstar. There you go. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, the Matrix with Joe Pants. I mean, he wants to eat that steak. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I was right on top of that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Ooh. The Empire Strikes Back. Lando Calrissian. Alright. Yeah, the deal but, keeps know. getting worse all the time. <laughs> I'm We've sorry. got to give him more yeah, time. Just before you did. <laughs> Classic Lando move. Oh, okay. If you guys think of anything, uh, take Leia to... the Wookiee. It's never part of this deal, nor is getting Honda that bounty hunter. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Chewie agreeing with you. Uh, bad Chewie, by the way. <laughs> that was... Uh, that was yeah. Chewy. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're like starting a car or something. It was more. It was more like <laughs> me stubbing my toe. Yeah. <laughs> or something else. <laughs> the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, who's the traitor in that one? Uh, it's one of those hidden message movies. <laughs> the better question: Who was the lead actor? Ooh, not I mean, the dude whose it... name was in the title, according to the Academy. The lead actor is not Jesse James. Um, or the coward. The coward or the, nor Jesse. the coward. It was the train. Um, <laughs> Fredo Corleone. There you go. I knew it was Wait, you. What happened, what happened with the Academy that year with that movie? Neither of them got nominated. No, Casey Affleck got nominated in supporting. He got nominated for supporting? He got nominated for supporting? Yes. Because, you know, was. it's not really his movie if it's and the. <laughs> what? Despite the fact that one, his name is in the title, mm-hmm. and two, he's yeah. actually the lead of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and because he's like what the movie is all about, because there's like a yeah. whole half of the movie that doesn't involve Brad Pitt. More than half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's I a, forgot that's that he was nominated for that movie, let alone mm-hmm. that was supporting. Oh my god. <laughs> well. The next question is, are there any films that change how you feel about certain people or groups? Terrence, let's go back to your, to your point that you made during the review of, like, you know, the sign of a good movie is you want to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Or you want to talk about it. But any movies that, that you uh, watched that were like, you know, I didn't realize that the Na'vi were the, the good people. <laughs> wow. <gasps> I definitely knew they were, you know. <laughs> at, that, at that point in my development, I was... I, I... <laughs> The indigenous already... aren't the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, oh. Stephen, uh, Stephen Lang is the the military isn't right. <laughs> oh, the natives just living on their land, having to deal with the military industrial complex. Yeah, that. Of course, they're not in the wrong. Giovanni Rubisi's ridiculously large tie. <laughs> um, a separation is one that just came to mind. Ooh, I. What what about it though? I just enjoyed. I mean, the movie obviously. I think it's one of the greatest movies that one of the greatest movies ever made. But just like the learning about how different that court system worked, mm-hmm. and how intertwined religion is with them in a way that is very similar to this country. Just in, it's like religion keeps you in a vice, but like the shape that you make while you're in that vice is different. <laughs> So, like, America has been squished by religion in one way, 
and Iran has been pushed by religion and other. So that was very interesting to learn about. That's a good answer. It's a great yeah. answer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't have an answer. I mean, Ghostbusters made me feel differently about ghosts. Let me uh, there we go. Some okay. were good, some were bad. Yeah, exactly. There's, mm-hmm. there's good, bad, and neutral. What about um? <laughs> Uh, I didn't know that. Okay, so it's like Stuart Little. I didn't know you could adopt a <laughs> mouse uh-huh. legitimately. Well, you know, maybe only in New York is where they live, right? So maybe the court systems in New York are, are that way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Anyway. Aaron, last question. Uh, what young actors do you expect to win an Oscar relatively soon? Jonathan Lipnicki. <laughs> I think he's like 40 now. <laughs> he's not 40. His, his day is coming. <laughs> I think he's, I believe he's our age for one thing. Yeah, I was like, he's, he's, he's our <laughs> Maybe if, if, if not younger. <laughs> yeah. I had, we have some answers too. For some reason, I didn't copy them down. The thing. Yeah. Uh, Tyler writes, Sears Sharonin, Timothy Chalamet, and Zendaya. Gary writes here Sharonin, and Chris has definitely, I assume that he means here Sharonin, but also Florence Pugh and Zendaya. Actors who you expect to win an Oscar, young actors who you expect to win an Oscar relatively soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saoirse definitely is got to be at she's the top of the hunt. list. Yeah. She's been nominated so many times. She's chasing down Jennifer Lawrence, who was chasing down Kate Winslet's record. Uh, if she hasn't beaten it already. Um, so who other than the obvious one? Do I, I think Kaluuya is up there, honestly. I think Kaluuya is up there, too. Like We, we definitely talked a lot about him. I mean, his counterpart, like, he's Sanfield as well, right? I mean, Lakeith is, like, what, 28? 29. Yeah, 29? I think Lakeith is. I think they make guys wait a long time. They they do. There was actually a joke about, about uh, Jesse Plemons, like, when he gets one when he's, like, 60, and they're like, yeah, this guy's been making good movies since he was like 29. Yeah, he's Jesse Plemons is gonna go is the is gonna be the Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the new version of that, mm. where like he's certainly got the look. In his later years, everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, he's such a great actor!" And remember when he was in that Game Night movie 700 years ago? And like, oh, <laughs> like now he's done, you know, Capote 2, Electric Boogaloo, give him an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you thought but, I was gone, but I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you're making money must with the dance move. Yeah, in his hat. Um, who else? I'm trying to still uh, waiting for Jaden. Michael, Smith. Michael B. Michael B. Jordan, oh. I think is. Okay, yeah, I could see that. He's he's a good project away from uh, winning. Wasn't he and Cougar? Weren't they doing another movie outside of Creed stuff that was like about like a like a school principal or like a teacher or something? Yeah, I think so. A school principal? Interesting. It was like a teacher or something like caught up in like a cheating scandal or something like that, I think. Yeah, I think it was the the APS story, the Atlanta Public Schools. Yeah, Uh, I say I think because this was like years ago at this point when this was announced. So I'm like, I guess they're not happening or it's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, who knows? He's he's had a weird intersection of his career where it's like... He's directing directing Creed 3, so it's like, all right. Yeah, it's like, do you want to go blockbuster route or do you mm-hmm. want to go indie route and he's also like functioning as the 
uh, the AI device in everyone's home now, so that probably makes it really busy for them as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's gotten it's gotten wet in a lot of people's homes. Turn that shit off. What I about um, uh, John Boyega? Ooh. If they, I mean, if he gets, I mean. I would say being, you know, b- between him being outspoken lately and his work with Steve McQueen, it's certainly going to help him in as far as pushing towards other. And it's not like he hasn't tried. Like, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Detroit, which I really like, I, 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 you know, it's not like he's not seeking out certain projects. Right. And especially now when he's like, I don't need this Disney stuff anymore. I think like he's on a path to do other kinds of things that explore what he's more interested in, I feel. So. Hmm. Pretty freeing. That said, the Star Wars Facebook page put out a lovely image of Finn today that they did illustrated and <laughs> promoted Black Lives Matter and Black History Month oh, and all that. Is he holding Jeez. a lightsaber? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> just, just had to make sure. What do you? What are we? How are we feeling about Charlene Woodley? Is it? Uh, that was gonna is be, she's going to be more my... TV now? I no, I think Shailene Woodley. Shailene Rogers. Yes, exactly. Future oh, Mrs. Yeah. Rogers. Eventually, she's not. They're not married yet. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. What a what a random! <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. I just was like, what? When he said it, I was like, is that true? So anyway, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I think she could. I think because she has her acting is very naturalistic, so she can fit in different genres mm-hmm. um, quite easily. And I also think that she is the type of actress that somebody will throw like a de glam part at oh, and like she's not gonna flinch at doing something like that and they're gonna be like oh my god look at how amazing this she barely wore any makeup in the movie and she played this downtrodden woman and oh my like and she could be great in the part Isn't but that you know that, that she was like, playing more of a regular <laughs> i'm talking about like monster talking about winter's bone like winter's or like an even if it's like an aaron brockovich right type situation like maybe not that sort of big of a star turn but just where it's like she's playing like a down-to-earth woman in a down-to-earth world yeah oh, grown up was... grown up uh james ponsold movie right yeah yeah dev patel okay yeah dev you got yeah. pretty close with lion right yeah, yeah. he was like, in terms of like his his buzz he for... yeah he was nominated for lion maybe he'll get it for oh, the... he was okay for the green knight a movie that exists allegedly okay i mean it exists just got cut up in a24's we're just not going to release movies because hey we we need we spent money on them and they actually need to make something for us to keep existing as a company mm. allegedly yeah <laughs> allegedly. how old is uh miles teller is he just out of the business now <laughs> I like Miles. You know that drummer guy from that drummer. other movie. Yeah, he, I mean, he's in Top Gun. Like, he has a huge movie coming. <laughs> he, yeah, he literally got the the star, the co-starring role opposite Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Um, over I'm Glenn. Go down that route. Action movies. Um, Glenn Powell's still in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they gave him another part because Glenn Powell is an amazing actor and he doesn't look like a kneecap. Um, so... Uh-huh. Ouch. But yeah, Miles... <laughs> he does look like a kneecap. 
That's not even like a shady thing. He legitimately looks like a beast. I gotta look up a picture of Miles. <laughs> I tried to end this fun on Dev Patel, and you're like, let me bring up Miles Teller. I like Miles Teller. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm... laughs> He's a person. He's an actor. Um, he can drum. He learned how to drum. <laughs> no, nobody's yes. attacking you, Marcus. I have no strong opinions on these things. I just know Terrence likes delivering shade at the end of a podcast. So I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. I, I, drink was, I was with you on the Dev Patel love train. Okay. I mean, I, I like I, Dev Patel. I know. I'm just saying that Marcus comes no, stomping no, no, in I'm here just... with his Miles Teller. I got. Listen. I love all the shade. I drink it up like a milkshake, like it's Bandy's think, track bar. Wow. I think Miles is bringing up a helped. white guy at the end of this thing. He's he's a good, he's a good like, a villain. He's like, what if the little things was good, and he played Jared Leto's part? Like, actually, I would be interested in that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him playing Rami Malek's part. He'd be damn good. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. I think he's my favorite actor. Part, yeah. How dare you? <laughs> he's your favorite actor? No. Oh. <laughs> you know I, what? I, 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 <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's, it's going downhill here, Marcus. I, I have, yeah, I have. Eject! Goose, I can't reach it. Eject! <laughs> So we're obviously very tired now, this part of the podcast, so I feel like we should wrap it up. That's feedback. (laughs) Feedback, feedback, feedback. Fantastic. and that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do up is over there. I'm also writing at weleofentertainment.com, where you can find all my movie reviews, as well as whysoblue.com, where I have a number of Criterion interviews lately. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more of some stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, they have rackets? Yeah, rocket launchers. We forgot to uh, mention that it's actually kind of a funny movie too. <laughs> Terrence Ter- Johnson, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can find my work at lenoirauto.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net, and at Terrence B Johnson, Terrence with one R, no A, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, well, that was uh, T-E-R, no A, one R. Okay, got it. Got it. No, I got it. Yeah. One R no A. Yeah, there you go. Marcus Robinson, where can we buy more of you? Uh moviesmarcus.com, uh, um milesteller.com, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no big deal. Um <laughs> Instagram, you can find me if you want to talk about Miles Teller and get away from all this toxic junk that's happening right here. <clears throat> Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> Your best cameo yet. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Cameo. You can find all the other episodes about Now Theater on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast, where we're spicy. <laughs> Okay, and Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Thank you, Terrence and Marcus, for joining us. Thank you, Terrence. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Good. Till that last 10 minutes. (laughs) We're going to contact Miles' agent. We'll get him on. We'll get you guys both back on, too. Did you not like the spectacular now? Well, that was, like, early on. He's great in the spectacular now. You know who's also great in that movie? (laughs) Shirley Woodley. Okay, we're going to end this.
Kyle Chandler? <laughs> Shailene Woodley. I love how like Kyle Chandler is basically the don't go meet your heroes, but it's your dad. <laughs> we good? We good on yeah. that one? <laughs> well, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye.